0: Hey, um, I'm really excited today. I've been up since 5 a.m. because, you know, all those people, the Lord changed my message and you just really wasn't prepared. <laughs> you ever see those preachers? I, I literally was going to preach a whole different passage and then I woke up this morning at 5 a.m. and I felt since God said, no, I need you to preach this. And so we've been on a, on a journey here this morning because uh, I've been up since 5, but I really believe this is going to bless you. But before I get into the word, I want to pray for you. Um, Because I'm really feeling this sense in my spirit that uh, I feel more called than ever. You you ever go on vacation, and as soon as you get on vacation, you're like, oh, my God, I'm tired. You don't know you're tired until you stop. This is one of those things where I didn't know that I was lacking vision and encouragement until I got vision and encouragement. And October will be three years um, that Christine and I have been pastoring the church. Shout out for that. That's amazing. So put a couple dates on your calendar. The weekend of the 16th, we'll be celebrating three years and having a vision Sunday. And um, you'll also be hearing about a great leadership thing we're doing on a Saturday in September. And if you're new to the church and you want to be connected, because I'm really speaking the promises of God over a connected community. So much of the promises of God, we try to individualize and we get disconnected from the community that God is speaking the promise to, but we still believe for the promise. And so if you want to get connected, right after this service, they're having next steps, growth track right there in the underground, say, I want to get connected, I want to get all that God has for me, and I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. So um, we're going to get on the word, though, and I'm going to pray for you first. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus, your one and only son. The Bible says that you love the world so much that you sent your one and only Son, that whoever believes in you will have eternal life. So, Father, help me preach this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother, can we take a little bit of the highs out? It's a little sharp, a little sharp. Highs out of the mic. All right. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Kings 17, verses 1 through 16. We're going to read the whole passage of Scripture. And then um, uh, some of my staff and leaders have been saying that um, I've been going over time. And um, uh, the devil is a lie. We got in a big argument this morning. I said, I'm going off the time that's on the clock. They said, No, you're not. And so, uh, whenever you see anyone and you recognize them being on staff, just as you leave, just make sure you go, Hey, shame on you um, on your way out. And um, be grateful for them, but in this moment, just say, Hey, shame on you um, because Pastor Julian's right. Um, he goes by the clock. Uh, so, just uh don't buy somebody pause stopwatch right now. All right, first Kings 17. We're gonna read the passage of scripture. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead. I remember I was an intern at Oasis, and uh, I had we had to do like a presentation on Elijah. And so I had like it was me, another girl, and like two people. I think they were both like just probably didn't even listen to rap music, and we made up a rap about Elijah to the theme of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You want to hear it? On the west side of Tish Bay, born and raised, in the wilderness is where he spent most of his days, fed by ravens, that's so amazing, when you trust in the Lord, he'll always make a way there, and the king and his wife. They were up and all good, a bunch of false prophets in the neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Woo! Bars! My rap name is Bars Mitzvah. That's what they called me in high school, Bar's Mitzvah, no joke. So it says, now, Elijah, who was from and Gilead, told King Ahab, who was a very wicked king, uh, we're going to be in the story of Elijah for a couple of weeks. I just feel like the Lord said, preach about Elijah, so I am. Um, newsflash, we're no longer in a series called Family Values, just so you know. This has nothing to do with Family Values. We ended that. It was five months, the longest series we ever had at Oasis over the next three weeks. Two weeks, I'm going to jump into the story of Elijah. And so, Elijah was an amazing prophet from God, and he was dealing with an evil uh, leader named King Ahab. And Elijah says this, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. This is going to be a two-part message. This week is going to be about his uh, journey by the brook, and next week is going to be about the, the widow. And I want to just point out really quickly that, that these are two situations that normally would not happen. First of all, a raven has fed him, and then second, a widow has fed him. The widow had circumstances that wouldn't align with provision, and then the raven went against his nature. its nature to bring about. Provision, And it says, go and live in this village. And so he went to Zarephath. And as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, make a little, but make a little bread for me first. I can't wait to preach on that next week. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and oil left in your containers until the time the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and oil in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Now I wanna unpack this a little bit because in the middle of of this story, things are going really bad. And I know we feel like we've had um, a few difficult years, which we have, and I wanna be sensitive and compassionate to what we have gone through as a community, but we have not gone through what Israel was going through now. It was a dark, dark time. They had uh, been in the promised land, and then through the disobedience of God's people, they found themselves under wicked kings who were uh, supposed to be Christian and godly leadership, and they weren't, and it was a mess. And then out of nowhere, the scriptures say in 1 Kings 17, now Elijah, Nobody had ever heard of Elijah. No, there was no, uh, Elijah's daddy wasn't in scripture. There was no, it just simply says now Elijah. And I feel so strongly about what God is doing in this season that people you have never heard of, God is going to use mightily to move his will forward. And so you might be thinking that you are just a nobody and that God, but people don't think it's you. Can I just say that? People are going to be like, oh, I don't think that God is going to use you. And the people that Uh, 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 are are seemingly moving forward and seemingly having all the blessing, I just feel like God's people, if they stay faithful, are going to come out of nowhere and do things that no eye has seen, just out of nowhere. And I think often if we're not careful, we only have faith if we can see the lead-in into what God is doing. We want like a little blessing, a little more blessing, a little more blessing. We just change the world, but no. In this season, it's going to be like, wait, failure, disappointment, another failure, disappointment. Then out of nowhere, God is going to raise you up. I'm telling you right now, I came out of nowhere. I was in the kids' ministry. People are like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And I believe that God is going to do that. And and what's interesting about Elijah is we see that Elijah uh, says something interesting to them. He says, now, Elijah, in verse 1, who was from Tishbane Gilead told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now, the exact time frame was three and a half years. Say three and a half years. Now, I don't know what is symbolic about three and a half years, but whenever God used this time frame, it wasn't a good thing. I was up at 5 a.m. with this because I have this word in my heart that you're going to hear more about on Vision Sunday, the weekend of October. Uh, 16th we're having a Vision Sunday on the weekend of the three-year anniversary. And one of the things that I've told our team that I have in my heart is the Lord told me, I sense this so strong, now I'm not 100% accurate, but I feel this strong enough to preach it, that there's going to be seven years of favor. And on Vision Sunday, we're going to be breaking down what we believe God's role is in this favor and what our responsibility. Your, Oasis is going to be the place to be for the next seven years. And not because we have some charismatic preacher, but because the spirit of the Lord is going to fall on this place and empower you to do what God has called you to do. And so what I was thinking about this morning as I was up at 5 a.m., and I keep bringing that up because that is way earlier than I'm used to getting up, is that this scripture that God has asked me to preach on is exactly half the time of seven years, three and a half years, where God has called the drought. And I've been going back and forth with God. Is this, does this start today? Am I gonna feel like it's favor? But he said, no. He said, let me explain something to you. Over this next three and a half years, I'm calling for a drought in the areas that people have put before me. And that is favor. Because uh, the king Ahab and Israel were worshiping a God called Baal, B A A L, Baal. Baal. And Baal was the God of rain and crops to them. Not a real God at all, but it was a God that they believed was blessing them. So if you believe your boss is the one who's blessing you and you believe your agent is the only way that you're going to get, and and your connections and your networking is the only way you're going to move forward, then God is going to call a drought in those areas because you believe those areas bless you more than God. God will call for a drought to embarrass your God, not you. See, God's not trying to bring you down. Some of us in this season are feeling punished. God is trying to bring your God down that you've put in his place. And the reason why it bothers you so much is because, the reason why it bothers me so much is because sometimes we're not praying about it, we're praying to it. It is actually our God. And so God is saying for the next three years, I'm calling a drought in the areas that are more important to you than me. Why? Because your, your false gods will never serve you. He's not saying I'm God and I'm just so jealous, I'm so angry that you're not putting me first. No, no, no. He's trying to bless you. Can we have the faith to believe that some of the areas that God has called to drought in are actually blessing us if we're being honest. Come on, who had not had a date in a while? Make some noise. If you're at church at 9.30, make some noise, come on. Where are my single people at, make some noise. Who's in a drought in dating? You can admit it. But think about the last time you had a boo, what did they do? You got all wrapped up, went astray, and God said, you know what? I know you want to get married. I know you want to be in a relationship. I know you're looking for love, but you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Blat out, drought. <laughs> and no matter how many social media apps you get on, Tinder, people see you, you look good, they just like, whoop, drought, swipe right past you. Some of y'all try to get on Christian Mingle and found a Buddhist. Like, what is going on? Can't even get a Christian on Christian Mingle. Just... Doing bad. Come on, anybody doing bad in the date? Tell you, I know what it's like. I know what it's like. That's why I got married. the first. I, I got married because I know I was in a drought the whole time. I'm like, girl, I found Christina. I'm like, I put a ring on it. Quit. Out here, man, lips all ashy on the dating scene. You know, it's hot outside. And you see that person and they got that build up in the corners. You're like... You ever see somebody's hot outside, it's in a, right here, you want to be like, ugh, go like this. Some of y'all, that's your dating life, build up in the corners, just drought, struggling, lips all chapped, doing bad. And we don't, we start believing that God's going to bring us someone, and the first belief that you need to have is that the drought is a blessing. Because if it wasn't for the drought, I wouldn't be serving God. What I have committed myself to do is, God, you never have to bring another drought in my life to get my attention. I'm going to give you my full attention in season of blessings, because everybody knows how to worship God when there ain't nothing else to worship. You you, you started that clap. You're a real leader, and y'all didn't help them out at all. When somebody else claps, you clap. You see how he, they didn't have the confidence to keep clapping because y'all did him dirty? He just went, all right, forget it then. Y'all don't want to help a brother out. I'm not going to clap. And y'all didn't show him no love and just come, all right, forget it. Y'all want to be a part of what God is doing. I'm cool. But you get what I'm saying? You, you, it's, a, it's almost like God is saying, this drought is a blessing because it's brought you here. And some of us don't know how to worship God. Here's the thing. Can you worship God when you actually have a great pastor? Because sometimes we just worship the pastor. Or we don't want to come to church if the pastor's not preaching. Y'all are not here to worship me. Y'all are here to worship Jesus. So if the presence of God is here, that should never affect your worship. And I get it. God has given me a gift, if that's what you feel. But, But don't lose sight of who this is about. I'm involved, but it's not about me. And I work really hard to try to not make it about me. I try my best to not make it about me. Sometimes I do. I'm human just like everybody else. Sometimes I like to hear people say, man, that sermon was fire. They don't always say that. But sometimes I do like to hear that. But it ain't about me. And so God is saying in this next three and a half years, it's not going to feel like It's not going to feel like it's going to be crazy. Like it's not going to feel like, oh my God, this is the best years of my life. But it will feel that way for people who have no other God beside the one true God. You don't have an idol. You don't have anything you put before him. That is going to be a special time for you. And so we have to double check that the things that we want, not only are they not more important than God, but they haven't got too close to God. Because God says there not only is there no other God, but there is no God beside him. And so God called it drought in the area that they were um, worshiping. But not only that, but he called it drought for three and a half years. And I don't know what it is about three and a half years in the Bible, but every time anything happened for three and a half years, it wasn't good. And so you are at the right service at 930 because I have a word for you for the next three and a half years that are going to set you up For unbelievable blessing and favor, I wish it was Vision Sunday today. Revelation, say all snap, you going to Revelation. Revelation 11, verse 1 and 3, and I'm reading this because it says that John was given a vision. I was given a measuring stick, and I was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the number of worshipers. Don't count the attendants, count the worshipers. Don't count how many people are in the room, count the worshipers. But do not measure the outer courtyard, for it has been turned over to the nations. Did you? In here, we're gonna measure what God is doing in here. Don't measure what God, what, what's happening out there, because I turned over out there for the next 42 months. This, I, I, I'm telling you, I don't wanna be the guy that goes, I have a word for the Lord. But I have a word for the Lord, right? You know how long 42 months is? Three and a half years. So in this next seven years, the next three and a half years, God has turned over out there. We ain't going to, this ain't about trying to make out there feel more like in here. God is not, in due season, God's going to go crazy out there. But he's like, I want you to measure what's happening in here, and I want you to count the worshipers. For the next two, 42 months, count the worshipers. Count the worshipers. And he goes on and he says this. He says, don't measure the outer court, all Don't worry about what's going on out there, for it has been turned over to the nations. They will trample the holy city for 42 months, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will be clothed in burlap and will prophesy for 1,260 days, which is also three and a half years. So a drought for three and a half years and the prophetic for three and a half years. And the Lord told me to tell you that in this next three and a half years, God, uh, the enemy wants to move your prophecy to panic. And you have to speak God's word over your situation. Panic is prophesying the problem. Prophecy is God speaking to you and telling you how he's going to bless you in the middle of this impossible circumstance. You notice that God in that three and a half years said, I'm going to have a raven bring you food. Have you seen a raven? Raven, and by the way, ravens are disgusting. They eat dead squirrels, they're scavengers. And I don't have time to get into it because the, the, the team put so much pressure on me to be on time. But <laughs> if I had time and they were gracious, I would go to Leviticus and tell you this passage scripture. But I can't. But I'll just kind of sum it up. And it says that if anybody touches a raven, they're deemed unclean. So a raven would not have been the bird that Elijah wanted to get a visit from, but the raven was the provision. Have you ever been provided for in a way that you wish was different? You ever get a paycheck from a job you don't want? But God's providing, but you don't like the way he's doing it. He said he sent a raven. And then after it's over, he went to a widow. God, aren't you going to give it to me directly? You know how humbling it would be to ask? Widows did not have any money. It, it would be like God saying, hey, I'm going to provide for you. And you know that homeless person that hangs out in front of your, on the side of your apartment building? He's going to provide for you for the next three and a half years and a raven. In our context, it would be a pigeon. Oh, my God, pigeons are nasty. I mean, rats with wings. For three and a half years, a pigeon and a homeless person is the only way you eat. Can you fathom that? How is God good? Why doesn't he just give it to me? The three and a half years in Revelation, he's saying, I'm raising up witnesses to what God is doing, and they will speak the word of the Lord. They will not panic. They will prophesy. Acts chapter 2 says, my sons and daughters are prophetic. What is prophetic? Prophetic prophetic means I am a mouthpiece for what God wants me to say. What does God want you to say over your situation? What does God want you to say over your family? What does God want you to say in the mirror? Did you know you don't have the authority to judge yourself? What does God want you to say? In the beginning, God created with his words The Bible says in James chapter 3 that if the Christian could control the mouth, they could control everything else. If you want to feel like you are in control, control what you say. You can't control your circumstances, but you can control what you say about your circumstances. And did you know the Bible says that if you can control what you say, you can control everything else. The Christian that can control their mouth can control everything. So if you have a habit that you can't quit, Your mouth. And we know we instinctively do this because we say things that we know are against what God is saying. Do you think the heavens are saying you ain't going to make it? Do you think God is saying you're no good? Do you think God is saying it's over? Do you think God is saying you're never going to have friends and relationships? That you're never going to prosper? Do you think God is saying that? Do you know as a Christian... Whatever you say, you're creating, with or without your consent, when you say something, you're creating. Most of us, the most hurtful things that have ever been done to us are what someone said or didn't say. Words create humanity. I can create the son that I've always wanted with what I say. I can create the daughter I've always wanted with what I want to say. I can create the wife I've always wanted with what I say. Whenever God has been convicting me, he always starts with your mouth. When we have a church that knows how to speak God's word over their situation and knows how to praise God, it is over. I'm telling you it's over. And so he's saying, for this next three years, we're going to have to do something crazy. We're going to have to say the opposite of what we see. Does anybody want to accept that challenge? Here, write this down. When things dry up, because remember, Elijah had to move on. We read because the brook dried up. When things dry up, the word of the Lord must produce the work of the Lord. We must know what God is saying before we know what to do. And some of us are looking more at what should I do more than God? What are you saying? Because it is the word of the Lord that produces the work of the Lord. Many of us are working hard while low on the word. This is not something you're going to be able to have in a meeting about. If you keep going after the, um, uh, in, the in, in, uh, in 1 Kings 17 verses 2 through 4, it says, God said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook near where it enters the, the Jordan River. Drink from the brook. And it it specifically mentions that this brook that Elijah was at was on the east side of the Jordan. I don't have time for a Bible class, but, but the promised land was on the west side of the Jordan. So that means that God made Elijah go backwards on the other side of the Jordan that had been the wilderness when he was already on the side of the Jordan that represented the promised land. The west side of the Jordan was a promised land. The east side of the Jordan was the wilderness. And I felt Isaiah 49 verse two for many of us in this room. He has made my mouth like a sharpened sword. You see the connect? He's sharpening what you say. Some of us are too negative. We speak death over every situation. Our mouth is a casket for the hopes and dreams that God has given us if we're not careful with what we say. And he says he's gonna sharpen your mouth in this season. And your mouth, notice he calls it a sword. Your mouth is getting ready to be a weapon for every enemy that comes against what God has called you to do. You have something today that you're dealing with, something today that you're struggling with. I want you to look at your words as the greatest weapon you have. He says he's gonna sharpen your mouth. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me like a polished arrow. In his hand. How do you get an arrow to go as far as you want it to go? Well, there ain't nobody in this room shot an arrow, so I don't know. So they're like, I don't know. You tell me. Resistance, tension, pulling it back. He sent Elijah on the east side. He pulled him back because to pull an, to get an arrow to go forward, you got to pull it back. And the further back you pull it, the further it goes. This last three years, you might feel like you've been held back by God, but God said in his word, that's why you got to be in his word, you're an arrow in his hand. So the hold back is to shoot you forward into the things he has for you. An arrow would never complain about being held back because they know the tension from being held back is how they get launched into purpose and calling. So you say, I'm an arrow, so God, hold me back as much as you want to because the moment you release me, I've been held back my whole life, but the moment God released me, it was over because I had been held back for 10 years, 10 years of holding back, 10 years of prophetic trajectory. I feel like preaching up in here. The longer you've been held back, the further you can go. The longer you've been held back, the further you can go. I want you to understand this about this passage of Scripture. Because in 1 Kings 17, verse 7, it says, but after a while, the brook dried up. Has God sent you to a place that just feels dry? Remember how excited you were when you got that job? Remember how excited you were? When this, this, this situation was going on, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's just dry. And I think so many times we like to say, because it's dry, it must not have been God. Ah, that must not have been God because it was going great, and then now it's gone. No, I want to encourage you. Sometimes God has to dry things up because you won't move unless he dries it up. He's been trying to get you to move on for three years, but it's too comfortable where you're at. So he's got to dry it up. God dried up the church so pastors would stop focusing on attendance and start focusing on discipleship and what God has called you to do. I mean, three years ago, you would have got a T-shirt and serving was whatever you did at church. Now serving is a mindset. Whether you put on a wasted T-shirt or not, you got to be a servant. Serving's is not an activity, it's an identity. Everywhere we go, we serve. And I've seen so many great people in our church serving their neighbors, serving their community, serving in foster care, serving. But, but we, we count that now and we always should have. Whereas before, you know, you didn't have Oasis T-shirt, where do you serve? Somebody needs to say in my neighborhood, at Starbucks, at the post office. I'm always serving. I'm always looking for someone to bless. I'm always looking for somebody to give hope to. Hope to. Serving is not just what you do within these four walls. Serving overflows out of your heart because you love people. We are servants. And God will often dry things up to get you to move. Sometimes you're supposed to start a business and God will dry up your job. Sometimes you're supposed to get a job and God will dry up your business. Because he just... There's just some CEO you're supposed to be a blessing to. So you're going to drive your business and have you go work for this person because he's trying to get that person to Christ. Do we want to be a vessel like that? Where God can just drive something up for one person? Do you know that um, the, 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 the Kojic faith in Egypt, on record, Egypt, Egypt had never had anyone from Egypt being a Christian the Bible says a man named Philip was preaching in the book of Acts and he had a church of thousands of people. And the Bible says that God teleported him to a Egyptian treasurer sitting under a tree trying to understand the book of Isaiah. Can you imagine me having a ministry of tens of thousands of people and God making me step down for one person? And the Bible says that this pastor, Philip, Explain the gospel to one person, and that person got saved, took his faith back to Egypt, and Bible scholars trace all Christianity in Egypt from that conversation. Can God dry up a brook in your life, something that has been feeding you, something that has been blessing you just to get you somewhere where 3,000 years from now, the place he took you to will still be blessed because of what you did? Can God dry up a brook just to move you? Or does God have to keep you in the place he's called you in order for you to be happy? Some of us are like, I'll never leave LA. Yeah, you will. God will send you right to Kansas. Please, Lord, don't do it. Lord, you tell me to start a church in Wichita. Can you imagine? Get a church to Kenneth and and Mike and these guys and go to Wichita and start a church. I'm like, Lord. (laughs) I be crying. I want to live in the Midwest, man. My uncle's live in the Midwest. This tumbleweed just blew through the middle of the church and my uncle's in church. They weren't even outdoors. Tumbleweed blew through the middle of the church. Just, it was crazy. But what I'm saying is, is this. Because I know we love bold prayers, but typically when we say pray bold prayers, we're saying pray the prayers we want. One of the boldest prayers we can pray is God dry up anything in my life that keeps me from going where you want me to go. How about that for a prayer? You can't feel a church preaching that. Somebody shout, dry it up. Ain't nobody shouted that. Somebody shout breakthrough. Breakthrough. Bless me. Bless me, Lord. Dry it up. Whoa. Some of this, some of y'all, let me just say it this way because I don't feel like you're getting it. Some of y'all bank account is ashy right now. Dry as I don't know what. Bank account looked like it had been playing catch with powdered donuts. It's just white and ashy and dry. Because money makes you comfortable. And so God has to create divine discomfort for divine purpose. Can I challenge you? I believe you're divinely uncomfortable. That, that it's God drying up something in your life because he's trying to get you to do something that you ordinarily wouldn't do because of the risk involved. So God dro- dried up safety, comfort and provision to get you to move and if he's not doing it pray that he will god forbid i'm up here at 65 give it up for pastor julian 70 give it up for pastor julian i want to be up here at 70 if i'm supposed to be up here at 70 but i don't want to be up here at 70 because i'm scared of what else i would do pastors are older now than they ever been before you know when the first how old the first pastor was 19. This is a young man's game, a young woman's game. We're supposed to be preaching and giving wisdom to the young people. I'm not coming up here at 90 because I'm scared of my next step. When I give this church away, I'm passing the baton, not the cane. <laughs> Too many young people out there that are the spirit of the Lord. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will have vision. So I always have a dream, but I won't always have vision for this place. And I got to be willing for God to dry up my anointing to preach, if he has to, to get the person who's supposed to be up here. And because I miss preaching and I don't want to give it up, I preach dry, unanointed sermons because I'm the lead pat. When the oil runs dry, I'm out. I'm preaching right now because I feel like I have oil to preach. If I have no oil and no anointing to preach, please don't want to listen to what I have to say. I have to be saying what God wants me to say, and one day God will dry it up. One day God will dry it up. And it is pastors who keep preaching without, with, with, when God's dried the oil that destroys the church. We're going to close with this. No, I'm a minute over. Wow. Emily, you hear them clapping? Because they love me. Hey, uh, team in the back, you hear them clapping? While you guys are staring at the clock, they're staring at the face of Jesus. Oh, this is funny. You mind if I read the last scripture? Don't want to get in trouble. 2 Chronicles 7, verses 11 through 15. I give him a hard time because that's my job. Because there is a way to stop the drought, there's a prophetic way to stop the drought in your life. Did you know that? We don't read it enough. It says, So Solomon finished the work of the temple. So Solomon finished the work of the temple. The temple is us. There is work. When we say go downstairs for the next step, when we say join a connect group, when we say get involved in this community, because there's work on the temple that's left undone. You're the temple. So you can't go out there and try to work on your career and not let the community of God work on your temple. What is your temple? A vessel of the Holy Spirit. Do you know God's trying to get the Holy Spirit to the entertainment industry? Through you? So what are we working on? The vessel of the Holy Ghost. So that's why we do this. And he says, so Solomon finished the work of the temple. Do you know God wants to work on your anger? Do you know God wants to work on your anxiety? Do you know God wants to work on your fear? Do you know God wants to work on your shame? Do you know God wants to work on your guilt? He doesn't need another guilty actor. He doesn't need another guilty business person. He wants to work on your temple. Because whenever we work on the temple, we can release what it contains. If, if, we're, if we're not working on it, then what we contain is for us. He says, as well as a royal palace, He he completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Then one night, notice that once the work on the temple, once we got this spiritual thing right, once we got our church community right, God is working on Oasis. We're not perfect, but God is working on us. And once we got that right, he says this, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifices. At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. But then, if my people who are called by my name will do a few things, are you ready? Humble themselves. Stop being on the internet telling everybody what's wrong with them. Humble yourself stop telling everybody what's wrong with Trump what's wrong with Biden what's wrong with this what's wrong with this community what's wrong with that what's wrong with the church what's wrong with preaching humble yourself says the Lord pray not plan pray don't get around the conference table get in the presence humble yourself and pray seek my face not my stuff seek me God I want you and if wanting you means I don't have that I want you seek my face an encounter with the face of God we recognize people by their face some of us we we wouldn't even know if God was in the room he says you need to be able to recognize me recognize what I'm doing and turn from their wicked ways not stop turn which means wicked ways create direction. And so God is saying, if you turn and go in a different direction, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. I want you to stand to your feet. What I just told you is so wild that God has a plan to be attentive to every prayer made in this place every single one over this next three and a half years God will be attentive to every single prayer but we gotta humble ourselves we got to pray, we got to seek the face of God, and we got to turn a different direction from the things we've been doing and saying, "God, give me grace." No, we want rain along with grace. And the rain that blesses the things you are called to do comes from turning. Yes, God give you will give you grace for your sin. But but he might not give you rain from the, for the ground until you turn from those things and say, God, teach me another another way. And the Bible says it's a better way. Not everything everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So God wants to release His people out there to be a blessing. One of the simplest things that people repeat that they don't even read the Bible is, you're blessed to be. A blessing your purpose is to be a blessing and how can you be something if you're not blessed so God's saying I want you to want to be a blessing and if you're not blessed how can you be one the more I'm blessed the more of a blessing I can be but for many of us the more we're blessed the more our blessings become our God and God has to call a drought and I'm just been hearing this word that He's going to provide for us miraculously in this next three and a half years. From sources we weren't expecting, from circumstances we weren't expecting. But after those three and a half years, if we understand what God is doing, we're going to go out there and be an incredible impact in this community. And it's going to start now. It's not going to start in three and a half years. It's going to start now. And many of you are called to be out there to be a blessing. And so, Father, I thank you for sending Jesus I thank you, God, that you're drying things up for people right now to get them to move to the next thing that you have for them. And, Lord, they've been looking at the drying up as a, as a punishment, and you're saying, Father, it is not, I'm not punishing you, I'm preparing you. I have so much for you. But, son, we got to move. Daughter, we got to move. Every time I bless you, you stop moving. I'm bringing about a divine discomfort in your life. And Lord, we just pray that we can receive that and take hold of all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.